Hebrews chapter 13. You know, we live in a world that is defined by things now other than the Scriptures. And so today for Mother's Day, I thought that I would um, help mothers to know how to mother their children. Sometimes the Mother's Day message might be about mothers. Today it is to mothers, and I hope that this is a help for you. Sometimes you feel like you don't know what to do. I know as a dad, there have been times when I I just didn't know what to do, um, usually with Lydia, but she's home from school, so I can tease her. There are times when you just don't know what to do as a parent. This book of Hebrews is really a helpful book for our time. You know, the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world. The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And so we as believers, those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe that he is God, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, and then he was nailed to a cross that was intended for us. He died in our place on that cross. He didn't have any sin to pay for on the cross. He was sinless. The Bible says, He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And so Jesus Christ died on the cross, that sinless sacrifice. And then He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He stayed there for three days and three nights. And then He rose from the dead, proving that He was, is, and always will be God. And if you'll believe that, if you'll believe in His death, burial, and resurrection, confessing your sin to Him and believing that only His shed blood, His death, burial, and resurrection can save you, then you can be saved. Isn't that a wonderful promise? It's a wonderful promise, not because of our works, but because of what He has done. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of people who are Jews. And I know that that they were Jews because it's addressed to Hebrews. How many of you have to hint for you that it's written to Jews? So it was written to Jewish believers. These are Jews who were living in the shadow of the temple. The temple wasn't destroyed until 70 A.D. This book was written before then. And so these people, they're, they're, they're people who are they're, they're from a Jewish descent, but they've believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's their Savior. He's their Lord. But the center of their political, their social, their religious, their family life was the temple. And the temptation was to go back to that rather than continuing in the faith. And the book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus Christ is better than the Levitical priesthood. Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than the law. Don't go back to that. Continue in the faith. And let's do a quick overview and then we'll get to our text. So go to Hebrews chapter 1 and look at verse 1. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles. Just look under the chair in front of you. There's a Bible there. Just use that. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, so that's all those Old Testament prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. Who? This is Jesus who, being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus Christ died. He rose from the dead. 
And now he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, for those of us who are born again. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to His own will. It's wonderful that Jesus Christ began to preach the gospel for us. The Bible says that He is the author and finisher of our faith, and it says that in that same passage. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. So anyone who is saved, you're a partaker of that heavenly calling. Consider the apostle, and notice that that's capitalized, the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he hath builded the house that hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. So Jesus is better than the angels, that's what it says in chapter 1, and he's better than Moses and the temple. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. So what is the gospel? According to 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. The Bible says that He died and that He was buried. He died for our sins and that He was buried and that He rose from the dead according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the definition of the gospel. But hearing the gospel isn't enough. So look at chapter 4 and verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So there's a lot of people that have heard of the death, burial, and resurrection, but they don't believe it really happened. Or even if they believed that it really happened, they don't believe that that is sufficient for their eternal life. Sometimes people add things to it. They believe that they also have to do good works. Or they believe they have to be baptized. Or they have to join a church. You know, we're about to build our auditorium. We want the church to continue to grow. But joining Grace Baptist Church never took anyone to heaven. The only thing that can take a person to heaven is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a Catholic, a Baptist, a Lutheran, a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, a nothing. Nothing can take you to heaven. Joining a church, joining the Kiwanis, joining the Rotary, it doesn't matter. Joining the Deep Sea Romanian Folk Dancing Club, none of that can take you to heaven. The only thing that can take you to heaven is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ when belief in that is mixed with faith in it. That's what the passage just said. Verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the Bible says what the high priest was supposed to do is make a sacrifice for sins. 
And you know that the high priest in Israel did that every year. Once a year, he went into the holiest of all and made a sacrifice for men. Then chapter 6 and verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So what he's saying is, okay, we've established that salvation is by faith, it's by repentance. Repentance means you change your mind. I used to think that I was good enough. I've got to change my mind about that to realize the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. There's only one way to go to heaven, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's repentance. It's changing your mind about your sin, that it's not bad. It's changing your mind to realize that your sin is bad enough to take you to hell. And changing your mind about the Savior, that you do need Him and you need to trust in Him alone. So Paul says, let's go on. Or I, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. The Bible doesn't tell us who wrote it. But whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us here that we're going to move on from that. Let's not just stop with that. Let's go on in the faith. Look at chapter 8 in verse 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. So he's going to sum it all up. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. The Bible says that the temple here, the tabernacle on earth, is just a picture of the true temple that's in heaven. And Jesus Christ, when he died, he took his own blood and took that to heaven and made it a sacrifice for you and for me so that we no longer do sacrifices. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to do that anymore. Now when we rise, kill, what we do? We eat it. We don't do it as a part of worship. Then look at chapter 10, verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So that high priest, he'd have to go and make that sacrifice every year. Every year, it would cover, that blood would cover the sin of the people. But every year, he had to come back. So what did Jesus Christ do? He came and shed his own blood for the sins of mankind. And that one sacrifice is enough. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. He is the propitiation. That's the satisfactory payment for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Then chapter 11, look at verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. It's a description. Look at chapter 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Physics even tells us that the world came from nothing. If you go all the way back to the beginning, there was a time when there was no time, there was no space, there was no matter. So whatever began it must be timeless, spaceless, immaterial, supremely powerful and volitional to have the will to do it. Isn't it interesting that even physics tells us that there's a God who created the universe? That's what chapter 11. Isn't it wonderful the Bible wrote that for us 2,000 years ago? What an amazing Bible. So then you get to chapter 12, chapter 11. We learn about all of these people that lived by faith. Chapter 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what's that joy? It's 
seeing us before Him. The joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. What's repetition in the Bible? God's volume control. How many times have you seen He's ascended to the right hand of the Father? Why? Because He's our high priest and He's better than the Levitical priesthood. So now we're to our text. And I have ten minutes to preach my sermon. How many of you think that's possible? Nobody. None of you have faith. Well, we need to go back to chapter 11 and look at that. So the book of Hebrews is all about telling us when living in a world that wants to pull us back from our faith. How should we live? Mothers, I'm going to give you some principles from chapter 11 to teach your children. The first thing that we're to teach them in chapter 13 is teach them to be kind. Look at chapter 13 and verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. So we as believers, we're supposed to be kind to people. The Bible says, as you have opportunity, be good unto all men, but especially to them who are of the household of faith. Jesus Christ said the world, they'll know you are my disciples by your love one for another. Christians ought to be the kindest people in the world. We really should. We need to be helping each other. Now, being kind never took anyone to heaven. But because we're going to heaven, we should be kind to people. We don't have to worry about it. So, mothers, teach your children to be kind. Have you ever noticed how mean kids are? They need to be taught to be kind. You ever walk in the nursery and you see a two-year-old, a two-year-old pick up a toy and go over and bash some other two-year-old in the head? They're just mean. They're little sinners. They need to be taught to be kind. It's, it's hilarious. You watch one of these little kids... And they get this look, this demonic look on their face. I almost preached from that passage where the Canaanite woman came to Jesus and wanted him to heal her, her son because he was possessed with a devil. If you don't believe that, go to the nursery right now. You're going to see some of these kids. That it, so what do we have to do? We need to teach them to be kind. Not only teach them to be kind, Mom, teach them to be pure. Look at the next verse. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. We have this idea in our culture that adultery and fornication is okay. It's normal. It's natural. It is natural. But the Bible says that the natural man cannot understand the things of God. They're foolishness unto him. Yeah, it is natural if you want to behave like an animal. If you're not an animal then what you need to do is wait until you're married. Amen? We need to teach our children to be pure. Mothers, teach your children to be pure. The Bible is still true. God is the judge. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So teach them to be pure. And then the next thing that you need to teach them is teach them to be content. How many of you have ever seen a kid at Walmart throw a fit because they don't get a toy? Men, you see it almost every time you go there. Some kid, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. You got to teach them how to be content. You don't need that. You don't need that. And what you need to teach them is that when they behave that way, when they behave that way, you may never get another toy. They don't understand consequences for their actions. Teach them to be content. Look at what the text says. Let your conversation, that's your lifestyle, let your conversation be without covetousness. 
and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Why can we be content? Because we have Jesus. Then teach them to trust God. So that, verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We need to teach them to trust God and not fear man. Fear God, don't fear man. The Bible says, fear not him that can destroy the body, but fear him that can destroy the body and the soul in hell. Who's that? That's God. Right? Fear God and not man. You know, there are a lot of kids that are afraid in the world. Now, some of that's from school. And if your kids are being bullied at school, I know that I don't have to tell your parents, take care of it. Take care of it. Deal with it. Amen? And I know this, is, this surprises you. I was small when I was in school. Man, I hated being bullied. I hated it. It's terrible. And you get to where you're fearful in the world. We need to teach our kids not to be fearful in the world, but to trust God. And then if there is something going on, we as parents need to care for it. Amen? And if you happen to have a child that's a bully, care for it. Take care of it. All right, then it says, look at this. I want you. So we're going to teach them to be kind, teach them to be pure, teach them to be content, teach them to trust God. Then, look at this. Teach them to listen to their pastor. Now you're saying, of course, pastor, you've got to put that in there. No, I didn't put it in there. God put it in there. Look at what it says. Remember them which have, look at what it says, the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. Now, you have to be careful with this. It doesn't say trust every pastor. If you can't trust the pastor's behavior in the church where you attend, you need to attend a different church, right? And that's where it's really important that you hold Pastor Nathan and me accountable to make sure that our behavior is godly. That's the only rule that I have over you is the rule of godliness and the rule of the Word of God. I don't have any control over your daily behavior. I don't have any control of your finances. I don't have any control over that. I'm not your Lord. I'm your pastor. But the idea is that that in the church, the person who sets the standard in the church is the pastor who follows the Word of God. You need to teach your children to listen to the pastor. It's really important. Remember them which have the rule over you. Then look at what it says. Teach them about the changelessness of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same. You know, we have a world that changes, and so people think that doctrine changes, truth changes. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So in this world that changes, in this world that wants to bring us back into that change, and to say that those rules are old, those rules are out of style, those rules don't apply anymore, if we're following the Lord Jesus Christ, He does not change. Is that what the text says? We need to teach our children about the changelessness of Jesus Christ. Everything else will change. People that you trust may fail you. Jesus Christ never changes. Teach them about the changelessness of Jesus Christ. And then teach them to stand in right doctrine. Look at verse 9. Be not carried, away, carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Man, there's weird churches. You walk in there and they're handling snakes or they're falling on the ground speaking in tongues or... They're, they're, they're doing some kind of mumbo-jumbo that you can't even understand. Don't follow strange doctrines. If it's not in the Bible, don't follow it. It's that clear. If I teach something that's not in the Bible, don't follow it. The Bible in Acts 17, 11 says that the Bereans, speaking of the Bereans, it says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica 
in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things are so. Doctrine is God's truth in God's words. We follow God's words and then the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. It doesn't matter what someone says about the Bible. What matters is what the Bible says. We need to teach our children to be able to stand in doctrine. It does matter what you believe. So look at what it says in verse 9 again. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with... What's that next word? Grace. That's a gift. Not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For, those, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. So this is all talking about that Levitical priesthood. That's over. That's over. We come to God by grace now. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. We need to teach them to stand in right doctrine. And then teach them not to follow the crowd. Look at what it says in verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, that sanctify them, that's to, to clean them, with his own blood, suffered without the gate, outside the city walls. Let us go therefore, let's go forth therefore unto him without the camp, that's outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Teach them not to follow the crowd. It's okay to be different. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Then teach them to praise the Lord when it costs them something. By Him, therefore, verse 15, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Then look again, teach them to obey preaching. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. Look at this, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that's unprofitable to you. Okay, so young people, here's the idea. This is what your mom needs to teach you. Don't cause the preacher trouble. His job's hard enough. Don't cause the preacher trouble. Let him do it with grief. No, no, no. no. Let him do it with joy, not with grief. (laughs) All right, then let's finish this. Look at what it says in verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you think, moms, how many of you think that's a pretty good formula for teaching your children? Why? Because the world wants to pull them back into the world. The word church means a called-out assembly. We're called out of the world to assemble in Jesus Christ. Let's continue in our faith. Let's continue in our faith. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We have here no continuing city. We need to live here as strangers, the Bible says, and pilgrims. We're going through this world, but we don't need to be spoiled by it. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word.